This week's Torah portion, Parshas Emmer, is another powerhouse, another Torah portion with many, many mitzvahs written in it, very disproportionately. There are over 50 mitzvahs in Parshas Emmer. And uh, I want to focus on the first half of the Parsha, which talks about a lot of the laws that the Kohen would have and the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would have while he was servicing in the sacrifices and all the other services that went into the Beis HaMikdash, the temple, and some of the laws of the carbon, the animal itself that would be brought as a sacrifice. And I want to focus on a reoccurring theme that I see in all of these. So let's get into some of the basics. The Parsha starts off, Hashem said to Moshe, saying... Let's talk about the laws of the Kohen. Teach Aaron, the first Kohen, and his sons, and tell them, each of you shall not contaminate himself to a dead person among his people, except for the relatives who are closest to him. So there's a special mitzvah that a Kohen cannot become contaminated with Tumas Mes. A Kohen cannot come in contact with, or even be in the same room with, a dead body. And this applies to all Kohanim, and it is very much relevant even now, even in 2022. A Kohen must avoid going to a cemetery, going to a building that may have a dead body in it, such as a funeral home or even a hospital. Very often we'll have a dead body, unfortunately, or even if it does not at the moment, there's a risk that at any moment there could be a dead body in the hospital, and that would transfer that tumma, that impurity, throughout the entire building. And a Kohen must avoid tumma. So it's very relevant, uh, you know, for example, nowadays in modern-day Israel, there are so many historical cemeteries scattered through the land of Israel that a Kohen needs a special GPS to tell him which roads he can go on and which roads he can't, because... Unfortunately, besides marked cemeteries, sometimes ancient cemeteries have unfortunately been paved over or just, you know, went into disrepair and kind of got forgotten about. And now there could be a shopping mall on top of it, unfortunately. So Cohen has to be really, really careful wherever he is to make sure he doesn't come into contact with a dead body. And that is not the only law of the Cohen. There's other ones as well. He should not make a bald spot on his head. He shouldn't shave his beard, um, they should remain holy to Hashem, they should not desecrate the name of Hashem, a Kohen cannot marry a woman who is divorced, um, that's also something that's relevant nowadays as well, a Kohen cannot marry a divorced woman, and then there are specific laws to the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol is above and beyond even the holiness that a regular Kohen could have, so he actually cannot marry any woman who was previously married, has to be a woman who was never married before, and he has special garments that he would wear while going through uh, the service in the Beis HaMikdash as well. And then Hashem tells Moshe, we're kind of skimming through the verses here, I'm in chapter 21, verse 16 now, speak to Aaron, saying, any man of your offspring, meaning any Kohen throughout all generations, in who there will be a blemish shall not come near to offer the food of his God, meaning a Kohen who has a blemish in himself, who has an injury or a birth defect in certain cases, cannot 
do the service in the temple. And the Torah goes on to list examples, somebody who has one limb longer than the other, different types of cripples, someone with a broken leg or a broken arm, etc., etc., cannot service Hashem. So we have all these details of exactly the proper way which it needs to be done. And then there are holy foods that have a special sanctity that can only be eaten by certain people. Foods like teruma can only be eaten by a kohen and cannot be eaten by a non-kohen. And then we talk about the animals that themselves are brought as a sacrifice. Here I'm at uh, chapter 22, verse 17. Hashem speaks to Moshe, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons and tell them that if we're bringing an offering to be favorable for you, it must be unblemished. Any in which there is a blemish you shall not offer, for it will not be favorable to you. And there's examples of that as well. An animal, a cow, a goat, a sheep that is being brought as a sacrifice cannot be injured, cannot have some kind of defect in that as well. So the question I want to ask, and and I'm kind of pulling this question out of everything I just said, which essentially was summarizing half of this week's Torah portion. We almost got up to Ravi about halfway through the Parsha. Why all the details? Why are these fine details so important? Why does Hashem care if we visited a cemetery on the way to the Beis HaMektosh, on the way to the temple? Why does Hashem care if on the way to the temple we tripped and broke a leg or broke an arm? If you've ever been in Jerusalem, you see all that Jerusalem stone around the land. It's very hard to walk through and navigate the city without tripping at all. So he tripped, so he broke his arm. He can't go to the temple, and he can't bring the, the sacrifices in the temple? Or if the animal he was bringing to the temple tripped and broke the animal's leg, that animal can't be brought as a, as a sacrifice, as a carbon? What is the big deal? It's not like these people have bad intentions. Like, I'm on the way to the base of Mikdash, and I am going to break my arm, and I'm going to bring a carbon anyway. I'll show you. Right? It's not like people are rebelling against Hashem by having some sort of injury, having some sort of blemish, by eating something that's impure, by going to the cemetery, going to a place where he can get contaminated. Why is this such a big deal? That's the question I want to ask from all of this. So I think from a logical perspective, let's try to look into this topic and understand what goes wrong when we don't follow these instructions exactly. What is the consequence? What is the implication of bringing a carbon in an improper way? So I think we can get a a glimpse into that by looking at chapter 22, verse 19, and the following approximately five verses, where the Torah says something very revealing. When it's talking about not bringing a blemished animal, the Torah says, to be favorable for you, it must be unblemished. Any in which there is a blemish, you shall not offer, for it will not be favorable for you. Okay, repeating again that concept, that bringing a blemished animal is somehow not favorable for you. Reading on to the next few verses, you'll see this repeated again and again. It shall be unblemished to find favor, there shall not be any blemish in it. And then again, in future verses again, It will not be acceptable, it will not be favorable, 
why the repeated statement so many times. It actually says five times in the span of seven verses that it needs to be unblemished. So what happens if it's, if it's blemished? So the Torah says it's not favorable for you. What does that mean, favorable for me? So we've talked in the past about a very basic idea that bringing a carbon is not a matter of giving a gift to God, so to speak, as if God needs or benefits from our sacrifices or the fact that there's now a dead animal because we brought a carbon. That doesn't make Hashem better or happier. Hashem is perfect. God is perfect. He is the Almighty. There's nothing He's lacking. And therefore, there's no way in which He is enhanced by us bringing a carbon. So therefore, bringing a carbon is about us. It is about what it does to us. So the implication here is that if there is a blemish on that animal, it will not be favorable for us. What does that mean for us? A tremendous purpose of bringing a carbon is that that act brings us closer to Hashem. We've talked about this as well in the past. So it would seem that if we bring an animal that's blemished, it doesn't make us closer to Hashem. Why not? Why not? Why doesn't Hashem just get the point? We're trying to do something for him. Okay, we did it. We messed up a little. The animal's a little injured. We happened to have passed by a cemetery on our way here. Maybe he didn't even notice. Like, okay, so I didn't do it perfectly, but God, don't you get the point? I'm trying to, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do something for you. I'm trying to do a mitzvah here. Who cares if I got some of these details wrong? To bring out this question a little further... There are many, many instances when somebody's bringing a carbon where he'll have the option to bring a cheaper version if he can't afford the type of carbon that he is supposed to bring. So say he's supposed to bring an animal sacrifice and he can't afford one. He can't afford an ox or a sheep or a goat. Animals are not cheap. This is not a, a cheap little thing that you order for a few dollars on Amazon. It would be... A, a significant expense to go about doing that. So the Torah would say, okay, if a person can't afford it, there's cheaper ways to do it. He can bring a bird sacrifice. And if he can't even afford a bird sacrifice, the Torah sometimes says he can bring a flower sacrifice that involved flour and water and oil and just extremely inexpensive basic materials that you can buy for under five bucks in a supermarket. But if he brings an animal with a blemish, it's not accepted. So what does that mean? That means it is better for somebody to bring a flower offering for $3.99 than to bring a $500 cow that has a broken leg. Isn't that incredible? If I offered you the choice, I'm buying you a present. I'm going to buy you a brand new $20,000 Kia car, or I'm going to buy you a $100,000 Range Rover with a scratch on the roof. Which one would you take? I hope you take the Range Rover. Who cares that there's a scratch on the roof? It's a five times more valuable. So why isn't it better to bring that cow with a little bit of an injury than to bring something so significantly cheaper? I think the answer is that even though from a logical perspective, we might think, 
something more expensive is better. But that's not the reality when it comes to building relationships. When we're trying to become closer to someone or to the almighty creator of the world, the only way to do that is to do that on his terms, to do that in the way that the recipient wants it to be done can bring us closer to that person, or that can bring us closer to Hashem. But if we do it in a way that the person does not want, we cannot imagine that this action is going to bring us closer to that person. When it comes to giving and creating love and becoming closer, it is only if we treat someone and give to someone in the way that they ideally want that we'll build that relationship. I'll give you an example. Let's say that I know that my wife has a very particular type of drink that she likes from the ice cream store. She would love a medium fruit smoothie with strawberries, bananas, blueberries, crushed up with Oreo cookies on top and a drizzle of caramel and whipped cream with a green straw. So I go and I buy her this item, costs four bucks, maybe seven bucks in inflation these days, and I give her that gift. That's going to be something that will enhance and build our relationship. But what happens if I go to the ice cream store and they're out of fruit? Oh, okay, they don't have fruit. All right, we'll get it. We'll replace it with a vanilla ice cream smoothie. Oh, and they don't have caramel, so we'll put on chocolate syrup. We'll make sure to put on a lot of chocolate syrup. And I know she won't be happy. They don't have whipped cream. So, you know, we're going to take the whole thing. We're going to make it an extra large instead of just a medium. And now I come home and I give her an extra large vanilla smoothie with chocolate syrup and no whipped cream. Will that bring me closer in our relationship? Absolutely not, because you can't compensate for what the person wants by giving something bigger or more expensive if it's something that the person has no interest in. And now imagine I would take that a step further. Imagine they're out of, uh, you know, the caramel drizzle. So instead, I put on some strawberry syrup and she's allergic to strawberries. Allergic to strawberries. So then, is that going to bring me closer to her? No, it's going to bring me way farther away. What kind of wicked person would give their spouse something that they're allergic to? Like, obviously, it doesn't matter how expensive that gift is. If they know that the person specifically doesn't want it, then for sure, that's not an act that's going to bring a closer relationship. I think Hashem doesn't insist that we be perfect in all areas of our life. Hashem recognizes the reality of human beings. But he does insist that we strive for perfection in our service of Hashem. He would rather us do a smaller action or bring a cheaper sacrifice in that example and do it 100% properly following the guidance and the instructions that he told us in the Torah rather than trying to do some big, fancy, expensive action and do it half-heartedly. Or even worse, do it in a way that he specifically told us not to. So Hashem has a plan and a reason behind every single 
instruction in the Torah. We've touched upon, almost every week in this podcast, we touch upon the deeper meanings behind the verses and the mitzvos and the guidance that we see in the Torah. Everything has depth and significance to it. Sometimes we merit to be able to learn Torah and learn to understand what it is, and sometimes less so. But we know that Hashem told us how to do it in the Torah. And Hashem told us how not to do it in the Torah. In the example of a Kabran, Hashem said, do not bring a blemished animal. So if we would go ahead and bring a blemished animal, obviously that would not bring us closer to Hashem, even if we have the best and finest of intentions. We could have such amazing intentions, right? Because we, let's say we live in the times of the temple. So everybody knows that you can't bring an animal as a carbon that is blemished. So what do you do if you buy an animal and then it gets some kind of blemish? It breaks its leg. It breaks any other limb or internal organ, and now it can't be used as a sacrifice. You probably sell it. You know what kind of secondhand market there probably was for blemished animals? You could probably get a blemished cow for pennies on the dollar in Jerusalem in the times of the temple because it cannot be used for bringing as a carbon. So I'm a good Jew, and I want to do good for God. So all those ultra-religious people who are throwing out those animals because they have a blemish on it, I'm going to buy them up, and I'm going to bring a thousand karbanas to Hashem. I'm going to bring 1,000 sacrifices. Yeah, they're a little bit messed up, they're a little bit blemished, but look how many I'm bringing. This is a value of thousands of dollars. So the Torah is teaching us that that is not what Hashem wants. And if that's not what Hashem wants, it's not going to bring us closer to Hashem. Even though it'll feel good, it very often might feel amazing. I am doing the right thing, I'm doing a mitzvah, and okay, I'm not doing it exactly way that, the way that halacha requires, I'm not doing it a, the exact way that those religious people do it, but hey, I'm doing it in my own way, and I'm doing it in a significant way. So the Torah is telling us that that is not going to bring us closer to Hashem, which is the purpose of everything in our connection to Hashem. So we can go ahead and do whatever we want in life. It's a free country. We can do any kind of cultural activity or mitzvah that we want. Well, if we're looking to accomplish the purpose of it, to please Hashem, to become closer to Hashem, the way to do that is to follow in the interests of what Hashem wants from us. And that will lead to really bringing us an immense feeling of satisfaction and closeness to Hashem. And the good news is that we don't have to keep guessing. We know exactly what Hashem wants from us. This is not the case of a gift for someone else where, hey, you're not sure. Do they want this? Do they like that flavor? Do they want that gift? Do they want it that way? Will they get insulted if I give it to them that way? It's very clear cut in the case of Judaism because Hashem gave us the Torah. And the Torah says exactly what Hashem wants from us. And the Torah says exactly what Hashem does not want from us. So all we need to do is read the Torah, understand the Torah, and follow the Torah, and we'll have the easiest pathway in the world to becoming closer to Hashem. I think this also fits well with the halacha that Maimonides and others say that when it comes to prayer, it is better to pray less with proper intent, with kavana, 
than to offer a meaningless lip service without intent, without paying any attention to what we're doing. And it could be tempted to do that because sometimes, again, that could be the feel-good Judaism sometimes. Sometimes going to synagogue and, and mumbling along with the rest of the congregation, even if our heart is not in it, could seem and even feel like the right thing to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm in shul, so I'm supposed to be praying, so I'm going to read the words. But what Maimonides says is, no, don't do that. It's better to focus on one paragraph of prayer and get it right and connect to it and understand it and mean it and feel in your heart what we're saying with our lips than to read endless page after page after page of prayer and, you know, we're just trying to keep up with everybody else and don't really have any idea what we're doing. So I think that idea also fits very well. Regardless of what we feel at the time that we do something, if it's going to accomplish what we set out to do, if we want to really build that relationship with Hashem, the way to do it is to follow the way Hashem wants to be interacted with, to follow what our sages teach us, what the Torah teaches us, and then we can, God willing, become closer, feel satisfied and fulfilled and meaning in what we do in our Judaism. Thank you so much for listening.